You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. Good morning, everybody. I'm excited to be with you this morning as we celebrate the King of Kings, where uh, he is risen, church. He is risen indeed. And so as we prepare to get in the Word today, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Numbers. Just go back to the beginning and go forward a little bit till you find the book of Numbers in your Bible. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 5. And uh, as we finish up this series, we've been working on for the last four weeks. Uh, those who are tuning in for the first time with us on Easter morning, I really am thankful that you're here to worship with us, even online. And so we appreciate you being here. If you have any questions, if you have concerns, if you have anybody... If you want to talk to someone about the things you hear today, feel free to look at our website at www.12th.co. Find our email addresses, our phone number, call us, text, leave a message for us. We would love to interact with you. Uh, we want to serve you. In a time such as this, uh, as we are focusing on hope today in the resurrection, uh, I know that for many of us, hope seems elusive at times. In fact, even on a day like Easter, where it's supposed to be a holiday, it's a celebratory thing across the entire United States and even around many places in the world, we know that hope is something that is not always there for everyone. In fact, most of us struggle with hope in some degree or another. Most of us struggle with some, some thing in our lives where we lose hope even just for a moment, and it can feel so elusive. But today we celebrate the greatest hope in the history of the world. And that is the hope that we have, which is a sure hope in Jesus Christ, because he died 2,000 years ago on the cross. He celebrated that on Friday night. But we know that he did not stay dead in the tomb. That's why we can celebrate, because he has risen from the grave. And we celebrate that 2,000 years ago, on a day like today, that Jesus rose from the grave, defeating Satan, death, sin, and hell in our place. And so we celebrate today. I know that for many of us, though, in the situation we're in, it does not feel like a celebration. We're anticipating a day today that might bring some hope, that might bring a reprieve from the concerns we've been carrying. But for many of us, we've been in our homes, we've been struggling, we've been hurting, we've been worried about what is going on in our world and around us. And we have been, to say it in a different way maybe, we're wondering when this is going to be over. We felt like that this has gone on long enough. We keep hearing different things from different media outlets, from different uh, politicians, from different people that are in charge, are supposed to be helping us. And it just feels like we have no idea when this is going to come to a close. And we've been quarantined now for quite some time. Most places shut down for at least a week or two completely, except for the essentials. But as we are quarantined, we do not see an end. We don't know if it's going to be 10 days, 14 days, two months. But we are hopeful that it won't be that long. But let me tell you that we're going to look at a place in Numbers today where the nation of Israel had to walk through this with people they loved and cared about as they were trying to make it to the promised land, the land that God had promised to them, and that he did so and had some things that happened along the way where some of them had to be like us. They had to be quarantined. And today I want to show you how Jesus brings us from quarantined to clean. This is something that has been speaking to my heart greatly over the past few days. Let me share it with you, Numbers 5, 1 through 4. It's not going to seem so hopeful at first. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, 
Command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. You shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp, that they may not defile their camp, in the midst of which I dwell, he says. And the people of Israel did so and put them outside the camp. And the Lord said to Moses, as, as the Lord said to Moses, and so the people of Israel did. I want to unpack this a little bit. Look at verse 2 with me in your Bibles. Command, he says, the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. You shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp that they may not defile their camp in the midst of which I dwell. And the people of Israel did so and put them outside the camp, as the Lord said to Moses, so the people of Israel did. Let me pray for us now. Father, before we go any further, we need you to work in us this morning. Lord, I am a sinful man who is unable to expound your word in any kind of meaningful way, apart from the leading and guidance of your Holy Spirit. And every one of us today in the, the hearing of this word needs to have your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, to open our minds, to open our eyes, to open our ears, to understand. And Lord, only you can change us from the inside out to be more like your son Jesus than when we first logged on this morning. So Lord, would you work in us? Would you shape us? And would you give us hope? that surpasses all things. Give us the hope that is peace, that surpasses every situation, as it is a sure hope and the steady anchor of Jesus Christ, your Son. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at that verse 2 one more time. Command the people of Israel that they be put out of the camp, everyone who is leprous or has a discharge, and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. That first group of leprous people. In fact, the words in the Hebrew Bible don't actually say leprosy. It's talking about just a disease of the skin, one that would be severe, that seems to mimic what we would call leprosy the way that we know it today. Um, we know that people that would have that might be contagious with that, that it's something that doesn't go away quickly, and so those people would be cast out of the camp. The same with those with a discharge, and we're specifically looking at those that have a discharge that goes on that would be something you might seek medical attention for, but that does not go away. It would be something that comes out of maybe the reproductive organs, uh, the kind of a discharge that would make uh, you unclean in the Levitical law. And then we also see the uncleanness, that's talked about here to be cast outside the camp are those who are in contact with the dead. Now, all of these things are to show us of the need for us to be pure and undefiled in the presence of God. God's eternal desire for his people is to be present with him. It's about being present with him. That's why even as you go back into the Garden of Eden, we see that God is with Adam and Eve, our ancestors in the beginning, and that when they become defiled because they rebel against him, then they are cast outside of that camp in the garden as well. And as they are then put out because he is holy and he is perfect and right in every way, we see that since they are not, they cannot be in the same relationship with him. Something has to fix the problem that's been created through rebellion. And what we see here in Numbers 5 is that same uncleanliness that's now filtered down into things such as disease and issues with the body, problems that come about with being in contact with something that is dead or someone that is dead. And so here we see God is saying, you've got to put them outside the camp. And there is no distinction between male and female. 
This is an equal opportunity problem. Everyone that comes in contact with the dead, everyone who has a discharge that goes on or a flow that goes on, everyone that has a skin issue that continues on, that's a major issue, they're put outside the camp because they are unable to be holy and undefiled in the midst of a God who is holy and perfect and will not be defiled. God's presence demands that perfection and purity. And it's not just pointing, though, to in the ceremonial laws, pointing to these things that are unclean. It's pointing to the greater problem that all of us have. In fact, if you go on in Numbers 5, verse 5 through 7, you see, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel. When a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord, that's a relationship break, breaking faith with the Lord, and that person realizes his guilt, he shall confess his sin that he has committed, and he shall make full restitution for his is wrong, adding a fifth to it and giving it to him to whom he did the wrong. You see, the problem here is that we cannot make a full restitution to God, especially going above and beyond because we have sinned against an infinitely holy and worthy God. And so any opportunity we have to try to make restitution would always fall short. That's why we see in Romans, Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's not a scale situation where I've done a lot more good things, so it outweighs the bad things. That's not how this works. It's more of like a court of law where it doesn't matter how many good things you did. If you transgress the law, you are liable for the punishment and condemnation of that. There is no other way. You cannot fix the problem yourself when you're the one that has done this to an infinitely holy God. In fact, Leviticus 15.31 says, Thus you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanliness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that's in their midst. If you are unclean, you step in the presence of God, you'll be destroyed. We see that with Moses when he wants to see God's glory. God says, you can't. It will destroy you. But you see the back of my glory, but you cannot see my face. And we also see in the end of the Bible, the same thing is talked about there. When the new heaven and new earth are put together and God is descending to be with his people, to be in our midst, that we would be his, that he would be ours, and he will walk among us forever. It says even this at that part of the Bible, that nothing unclean will ever enter into that place with God, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There cannot be uncleanness, defilement in the presence of God. The, the seriousness of this, the severity of this defilement before God plays out even further. If you look at Leviticus 15, just Keep your finger here. Turn back a little bit to Leviticus 15. We see even a further thing talking about these issues of the body. You think, well, he's got some kind of issue. That's okay. He's outside the camp for a little while. Look at what it says in Leviticus 15 as it breaks this down. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any man has a discharge from his body, his discharge is unclean. And this is the law of his uncleanness for a discharge, whether his body runs with his discharge or his body is blocked up by his discharge, it is his uncleanness uncleanness. Every bed on which the one with the discharge lies shall be unclean. And everything on which he sits shall be unclean. And anyone who touches his bed shall wash his clothes, bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the evening. And whoever sits on anything on which the one with the discharge has sat shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. Whoever touches the body of the one with the discharge shall wash his clothes, bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the evening. And if the one with the discharge spits on someone who is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. 
And any saddle on which to mourn the discharge rides shall be unclean. Whoever touches anything that was under him shall be unclean until the evening. Whoever carries such things shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. Anyone with whom the, with the discharge touches without having rinsed his hands in water shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And an earthenware vessel that the one with the discharge touches shall be broken and every vessel of wood shall be rinsed in water. And when the one with the discharge is cleansed of his discharge, then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleansing and wash his clothes. And he shall bathe his body in fresh water and shall be clean. You see, these people, the, the defilement of those things that they're not even in control of, these are the chosen people of God, mind you. And they are cast outside of the camp because they are defiled and they cannot be in the presence of a holy God. This is partly, possibly, about keeping safe others there, but more so we know it's talking about God himself and his holiness because it says in verse 3, you shall put them out, both male and female, putting them outside the camp, that they may not defile their camp in the midst of which I dwell. It's about him, his holiness, their defilement. You see, we have the same problem even today because we are defiled because of our sinfulness that we have rebelled against a holy, perfect God who created us to love him because he first loved us, to enjoy him, and yet we have refused to do that most of our life. Even as Christians, we struggle with that so often, putting our hope in other things, but finding our joy in things that we elevate above him in our lives. But there is hope. For these people, they're pushed out. Think about it this way. What if it was your son or daughter that had an issue? Would you be like these who are obedient and put them outside the camp where they're not protected by the camp where they're living in caves or a, a tent outside? You have to be crying out to your son, like, I love you, but you've got to obey the Lord. Would that be us? I'd, I would struggle with that, if I'm being honest. That's because my faith is weak. Would you tell your wife that she has to be outside the camp? Not knowing what could happen to her, just trusting in the Lord that he would protect her, but she's not inside the camp walls for protection? But I'm telling you that there is hope. There is hope. Not because they knew for sure that God wasn't going to allow someone to die from whatever their problem was. Or that they would not be ravaged in the wilderness in some way that they would have to watch them never come back. What I'm telling you though is that we have a hope because all of this defilement in the camp, all of this uncleanness, this quarantine that was going on for those who, not because of anything they had done necessarily wrong, had this discharge or had touched something that was unclean or, or that they, were, they had some kind of leprosy or skin disease. But there's hope because God did not leave us to ourselves. Ever since the garden, when Adam and Eve had to be cast out because of the rebellion, God has been working to bring us back into relationship with him. That presence that we were pushed out of then, he brings back into the camp to be in their midst. But there's still the problem of defilement versus holiness. But there is hope because he eventually sends us the one and only son, his son, fully God, fully man, and one person who comes to live on this planet in our place to live the life we cannot live of perfection. He never transgressed the law of God. He walked the way that only God could do, but did so as a full human and fully divine, bringing together God and man once again in himself so that he could make a way for us. Jesus is the way for us to escape the quarantine that we are under because of our sin. The quarantine that goes much longer than whatever this is we're going through now. That Jesus is the way from quarantine to clean. 
He is the only hope that will last beyond this season and into eternity. I want you to turn with me to see this in Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, we see it in verse 12. Luke records it. It's a doctor, by the way, who records this. And he must have known at some point that this was lining right up with what was going on in Deuteronomy, what was going on in Leviticus, what was going on in Numbers. And we see this here that Luke records that Jesus is coming into an area. While he's in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Here's the issue, right? In the camp of the people of Israel, if you were to touch anyone with leprosy, you were unclean. You were unclean for at least a day. You had to go outside the camp. You could not be in the presence of God. And so this is the problem. Anybody that tried to help this guy would have been in trouble. Anybody that tried to help this guy would have been in a place that they too were sick. They too were in a place of being cast out of the camp. But here we see this guy say, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. You can just imagine the disciples standing around Jesus. The Pharisees standing around seeing this teacher who reaches out to touch a man with leprosy. I'm sure they're like, don't, don't do it, Jesus. Don't touch him. Don't reach out. You'll be unclean. Don't, don't, don't touch that guy. You pray for him. You can bless him, but don't touch him. You'll be unclean. But that's not what happens. The one who is fully God, who's become fully man, who brings in restoration, who brings in healing, who brings in cleansing, and he touches him, and Jesus doesn't become unclean. Instead, the man becomes clean. This changes everything for us. You cannot fix yourself. You've tried over and over again. You may have made some steps forward, but there's things about you that you know you can't change at the very core of who you are. We've tried over and over and over again, and the disappointment continues until we become maybe even immune to recognizing we can't reach into the depth of our depravity and save ourselves or change ourselves at the core level. We still do things we do not want to do. We still do things we know we should not do. We need someone who can do that changing for us, who can make us clean, and Jesus can do it. Look at this again. If you turn over to Luke 8, 40, you see he picks up another story. And when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were waiting on him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of a synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. So Jairus is calling Jesus to come save his daughter. And as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. Verse 43, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Remember that word discharge, discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. Listen, this is not much different than where we are right now. Struggling through quarantine, struggling through sickness, wondering if we might get sick, if one of the people we love might die, or even that we might die with this thing that's happening around us, all around us. And there's many people that have gone to see physicians. Physicians work on them, but can't fix the problems. This woman had an issue for 12 years. She had been having a discharge from her that she could not find to be healed. That the flow of blood had gone on for 12 years solid and no one could fix it. That means she was basically outside the camp of Israel. She was not allowed to be in places meant to be holy. She could not participate with her countrymen who loved God. She was outside the camp. She was excluded. She was isolated like many of us even now feel. 
Israel. And she had been enduring that for 12 years. Verse 44 says, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me when all denied it? Peter said, master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. If she had done that right there, everybody would have taken two or three steps back because they don't want to touch her to become unclean. And yet what Jesus did for her is that when she reached out to touch even the hem of his garment because she believed that he could heal her she had gone everywhere else and nobody could fulfill the need that she had but jesus could and she knew it and she reached out and she had faith and he looks at her in verse 48 and says daughter your faith has made you well go in peace and Jesus wasn't worried about becoming unclean because he brings cleanness to everyone that he might touch. Everybody that needs him, that comes and calls upon him, he can bring healing when no one else can do it. He can make you clean. He can take this woman who was basically quarantined for 12 years and make her clean. And he can do the same for us. And while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And he could have made her well right there without going any further. It says, And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she's not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned. And she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. Listen, everybody else would be afraid to touch her, knowing they have to cleanse themselves and be outside of the holy places for at least a day. But Jesus walks right up to her, takes her by the hand. He's not afraid to touch her hand. He's not afraid of becoming unclean. No matter what you have done, no matter what you've been involved in, no matter what your past is, no matter what your baggage is, no matter what the things are that you think make you unclean, that you think if anybody knew about you that they would never get over that, that if your spouse knew this or if your mother knew this or if your friends knew this, that they would excommunicate you from relationship. Jesus will grab you by the hand if you turn to him and say, Lord, make me clean. He can grab you by the hand and make you clean. He knows all those things about you. And yet he loves you enough to become one of us so that he could then walk the path that we could not walk in sinless perfection so that he can be the sacrifice that we need, that we cannot pay the price of punishment and make it through to the other side. But he did for us on the cross. If we put our faith in that man, the God-man, Jesus, the one and only, he can make us clean. He can take us from quarantine to clean. From God's presence with his people in the desert, where those who were defiled could not be in his holy presence, to the healing and cleansing presence of the God-man Jesus who came to bring us home with him. Not just as servants, not as slaves, not even as just friends, but as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Our older brother gave his life for us so that he could make us clean. This is the kind of Savior we can find hope in. 
And we know we can find hope in him because he fulfilled every one of the promises of the scriptures that were before him. We know we can put our hope in him because he defeated death. He rose again on the third day. Nothing can hold him down. This is the power of the gospel. This is why it's good news. He can make you clean. Hebrews 13 says it even differently in verse 12 and 13. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. We sang it a minute ago. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes us white as snow. No other fount we know. Nothing but the blood of of Jesus. His blood poured out for us heals our problems, not the other way around, right? It doesn't make us unclean. It makes us clean. Jesus is our way from quarantine to clean. And I'm not just talking about this season. I'm talking about being quarantined from the presence of God. We can be brought inside the camp, inside the kingdom, if we put our hope and faith in Jesus. And for those of us that have already been in relationship with him, we have things we need to repent of today. Struggles we've been going through, junk in our lives, and days to day to lay it down at his feet and say, I cannot carry this burden anymore. I am unclean in these things. Lord, you can make me clean. And by your faith, he heals you. If you turn to him and put your hope and trust in him, it was the death of death and the death of Christ. One of my favorite Puritans, he calls this my favorite sermon by him that the death of death and the death of Christ. Everything we fear right now in this COVID-19 situation, the greatest thing we can fear is death. But death has been defeated. His death on the cross, Jesus dying in our place, is the death of death for those who would put their hope and faith in Jesus. The war is won. You don't have to battle anymore. The work has been done for you. And hope for all the world has come, and his name is Jesus. Our Savior never even had to lay aside his crown. He continued to be the Son of God through it all. Because death and hell could not hold him down. It could not keep him down. Even those things could not make him unclean. Even though he took all of our sin upon his shoulders, that God, his Father, laid upon the Son all of the sins of us who would believe in him, and the Father cast his wrath upon him because he was carrying our sin. And then when Jesus gave up his breath, he said, it is finished, and he died in our place. And then he rose three days later, defeating Satan's sin, death and hell from the cross. So we no longer have to be worried about death anymore. Death has no hold on us. Death has lost its sting. Our hope is in the sure and steady person, Savior, the one who came to save our souls. His name is Jesus. And today he reaches out to you through this gospel message and says, you also can become clean if you will put your hope and faith in me. Let us move from quarantine to clean because of the blood spilled out for us from Jesus, our Savior. He is our only hope. He is the only way from quarantine to clean. Jesus the righteous. Maybe you've never heard this message before in the way that it's impacting you today. And if that's the case, today is the day for you to turn to Jesus for the first time. 
Today's the day for you to not wait one more moment, but to turn to him like this woman, like this man who had leprosy, this woman who had a discharge, like this man who came because of his daughter. Let us come to him and say, I have nowhere else to go. Where else would I turn but to the one who can make me clean, not just now, but for all eternity. That we find our hope and trust in him is the only way. I'm going to pray for all of us right now. If you would pray with me. Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Lord, the fact that even in this quarantine, we know that we can be clean. And no matter what comes at us, death cannot hold us because death could not hold your son, Jesus. Lord, thank you for sending us your son. Thank you for sending us a savior. Thank you for not leaving us to our own sin, to our own struggles, and even death, and our uncleanness, our defilement. Thank you for sending us a Savior who would give himself for us that we might be brought into your family and be your sons and daughters because of his sacrifice on the cross. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Help us, Lord, to look to Jesus as the only sure foundation, as our founder of our faith, as our only Savior, that he alone will be the one in whom we put our trust. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask these things. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helped you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to be a place where we can find forgiveness for the past and hope for the future.